This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. Historic places are evocative, authentic, and powerful backdrops for events. And today's guest has breathed new life into historic places all across Maryland and gained a massive following on social media as a result. We're talking about celebrating in historic places and how to make history pay with Kate Deer of Fedwell. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. Excited that this is one of the first times on PreserveCast that we are also being live-streamed onto TikTok, which is pretty cool. And we are joined um, by the entrepreneurial and charismatic Kate Deer, the CEO of Fetwell, um, who is doing amazing things here in Maryland that I think everyone across the country should know about. Um, and probably at this point, everybody across the country already does know about um, because she's gone viral um, in, in the good way. Uh, it's a, a weird term to use during a pandemic now. But so, Kate, we want to get to know you and understand how you got into this and how you've become, you know, really like very successful in kind of taking historic places and turning them into places that people are excited about and want to use and breathing life into them. But like, how do you get on the trajectory to do this? I imagine a lot of people hear from you or like watch your videos and they're like, how do you, how do you get into this? What is your story? What's your path to this? It's a convoluted path. There was not like little Kate at five years old says, I want to grow up and preserve historic buildings. Um, <laughs> so here you're ready. You're ready. You have your seatbelt on. We're ready for a really here we go. Story. All right. Our tale begins. Um, so I was a broadcast journalism major in college. And out of college, I started working um for morning news programs. I was the executive producer of a morning news show in Baltimore for about a decade, just shy of a decade. Um and obviously that means waking up at midnight to go into work, <laughs> um, working these crazy overnight hours, working, you know, 60 hour weeks. Um, it becomes your whole life. It becomes your whole identity. Um, so when I decided to start a family, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this. Um, you know, I want to be around my kids. So I, was, I had already started thinking about that. And then while I was pregnant with my son, I was diagnosed with cancer um, when I was 14 weeks pregnant. And so then that really was like, okay, the universe is trying to tell me, slow down, take time, be with your family. So I didn't end up going back to work after I had him. Um, everything was great. I had treatment. Everything's good. This was like nine years ago. So we're good. Um but that really kind of shifted my life perspective. And I like to say that it's the best thing that ever happened to me, which I don't think a lot of people would say that, you know, cancer is the best thing. Um, but it really gave me a new focus. And this was back in 2013. So, you know, this was before really work from home opportunities were real, <laughs> you know, or very abundant. Um, and so I thought to myself, you know, I need to find a way to support my family, but be my own boss, work on my own schedule. How do I do that? Um, so I went back to school. I got my MBA from Carnegie Mellon. And while I was there, I was thinking about, you know, how do I, how do, I do this? And working in the news industry, you're around people 
having the worst day of their life. They were just arrested. <laughs> Somebody in their family was murdered. Um, just these you know, heartbreaking stories. And I knew that I wanted to be surrounded by joy. I wanted to be around people on the best day of their life instead of the worst. And so I thought, what is that? And typically it's, it's weddings. So I really dove into research on the events industry. Um, and then what is the best way to make the most money in the events industry? Um, because again, it was mama bear mode and I want to provide for my family. Um, and so I came up with the idea of venues. Um, and in doing my research, you know, during that time, it was like mid 2010. So barn weddings were like a really, really big thing, especially here in Maryland. Um, but I just, I, I was, I wanted to turn an old barn into, you know, get it up to code and, you know, turn that into a celebration space. Um, but it turns out there's just the work involved in turning a barn into a celebration space, getting it up to code now. Um, it, it costs more than building new. So I was like, well, maybe I'll build new. And just looking at how much building materials that would take, just sort of the footprint of adding another building onto land, it just didn't sit right with me. And I was like, why, why aren't people using these historic spaces that have been vacant um, and, and bringing them back to life? So that's kind of when I started thinking, okay, well, why don't I look for spaces on historic main streets, you know, and focus my property search there. Um, so I focused my search actually initially in Frederick, um, but I wasn't able to find anything. There's a very small, like four block radius where you can have an event venue in Frederick. Um, and actually this bank was available. Um, it was back in 2016 and I think it had just gone um, on the market, um, but I could not afford it at the time. So um, my search took me to Ellicott City, which is a beautiful historic town. Um, and I found a property right on Main Street and um, it used to be a Chevrolet dealership um, from 1930. That was its original use. And I thought, how cool is that? You know, getting married in a space that used to be something else that's been empty, that needs some love. Um, let's, let's do this. And that's kind of where the journey started. So yeah, that's my, I hope the roller coaster ride was good for you. Cause um, no, it's, it's fantastic. Story. And it's, it's so fascinating. Um, I, I love sort of like, and I mean this in the nicest way, like the accidental preservationist where it's like, you know, you, you didn't go into it because you're, I mean, obviously you have an affinity for historic buildings that comes across and you obviously have an eye for design. We're seeing the the backdrop here of this beautifully designed room that you're in right now. It almost looks like, I'm not sure if this is a fake background or not. It's so beautiful, it's but um, it's no, it's real. It's wire shelves that I painted black and gold, but I, I, I'm glad that it comes across as, as yeah. Design. So you have an eye for it. You have design and everything like that, but I love I think it's so important because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not a professional preservationist. I can't save historic buildings. I can't breathe life into them. And um, obviously you saw the value in them and saw a market in them. Um, and it's just so exciting to see how that kind of came together. I think it's it's interesting. You know, we were talking about how 
you know, and we don't have to get into all the nitty gritty of the business model, but your first projects, you don't, act, you didn't actually own the building, right? Like, so you were leasing them. And is that, I, the reason I bring it up is for people listening who are like, oh, I want to be, I want to be the Kate Deer of Peoria or whatever. Like, um, is it, was that like a, would you recommend that way? If you were going back to give people advice, like, is that the smart way to do it? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I got to buy a building. I can't afford a building. I can't do this. But it seems like you kind of like made these half steps in, which I think is really, I think it's fascinating how how it came together. And if you don't mind talking just a little bit about that. Sure. No, I'm an open book. I very much do not gatekeep, um, you know, all the all the way that I got into it, because I think that it's important. It seems like there's such a high barrier to entry to restore property. Um, yeah, people think, every day I get comments from people being like, wait, you don't, you don't own this. You, you weren't super mega rich when you started this. Like what? No, I, I leased it because I didn't want to have that risk. I mean, I had no idea if this was going to be successful. I had no idea if this was going to be, you know, worth the investment for me. So when you go in and you lease the space, and I think a lot of people don't kind of, they have a different framework. There's a different sort of um, ROI on renovating um, residential property versus commercial. Um, so if you think about it, people are like, well, you're putting all this money into renovating a property you don't own. That's a waste of money. But it's not because the, the venue is my product. It's the same thing as if I were going and buying a bunch of t-shirts and selling t-shirts. It is my t-shirt. The venue is my t-shirt. The renovations are the design that I put on the t-shirt. So they're part of my business model. Um, they're my product. So I think, and you, same thing with restaurants, right? Like people go in, restaurants require renovations to get them, you know, to put the kitchen in, to do the design on the, on the, um, the dining room. So um, it was a great way, you know, for me to kind of step into the industry at a low risk. Um, and it's something, I mean, I'm still renting my first two venues and I will continue to. A, I don't think they're for sale. B, um, it just, it works for me. Um, I really, really love that sort of concept because it keeps my my risk low. Um, and it also, you know, frees up capital for me to invest and eventually buy a bank. <laughs> So let's talk, let's talk about that. I mean, uh, we have listeners all across the country, all across the world for that matter. So not everybody's familiar with, uh, Frederick and, or, you know, Ellicott city for that matter. But, um, talk to us about the citizens ballroom. Cause I think that this one's pretty excited. This is the, one of the ones that of many that has gone viral with your tile cleaning. Um, who knew <laughs> that like tile cleaning was going to be, um, that you, that you'd become famous for grout, but there it is now it is grout based yeah um <laughs> so that'd be a good name for like if you had a dog you could name it grout like that would be it you know like that's a missed yeah. opportunity i named her yeah. charlie so yeah no good um so let's just talk let's so how did that come about and what is this building where is it um and what are you going to be doing with it this you call it citizens ballroom yeah so this building um i've been in love with for at least seven years, basically since it first went on the market. It's been vacant for uh, 2014, I think, is when the PMC left. So whatever, do that math. Eight years? Anywho, so it's been vacant. And um, it, this bank is built in 1908. It's got the Greco-Column Gorgian 
Romanesque gorgeousness going on outside. Um, it's so beautiful. It's iconic. It's at the main intersection in downtown Frederick, which is a beautiful historic town in Maryland. Um, it's it's the backdrop of like so many websites that are Frederick based, like the, the Frederick, you know, city government website. It's the it's the banner picture. It's the banner picture everywhere. It is the building. It's probably one of the most iconic and recognizable buildings in the town. And it's been vacant for years. Um, and so, like I was saying earlier, like I, I looked at it when I was first looking to get into venues. So I was like, this would be gorgeous. This would be an amazing venue, but I couldn't afford it. Um, and, you know, fast forward several years and now, now I could. Um, so it was built in 1908. It was, it's always been a bank. Um, it was a Citizens National Bank. Then it was a Farmers and Mechanics Bank. And then it was a PNC Bank most recently. And then it closed in 2014. So it's just been sitting there. Um, it was yellow. It was like a mustard yellow and green. Um, and I went in and, and basically brought it up to code and did as little as possible to the original structure, to the layout, um, to turn it into an event space, primarily weddings, but we also, you know, host anything people want to celebrate pretty much, but it ends up being mostly weddings. And is it going to have a, a rooftop piece as well? Everybody's asking that. Um, and it will not. Um, I think that's because before there were like rumors going around about like other developers who were looking to make it a rooftop bar. Um, the roof is gorgeous and amazing and the views are great. But um, in order to get an assembly occupancy on the roof, we would have to add two large staircases, um, which would involve demoing most of the mezzanine and a large part of the interior. Um, so I just couldn't do that to the building. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes makes total sense. But yeah, that's that's kind of been. I looked at some old plans, um, and it just hurt, they hurt my soul. It was it, there was so much demo to the original architecture. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a no for me. I need I'm here to preserve. I'm, I don't want to tear down. Yeah, I mean, I called you an accidental preservationist, but I think I need I think I need to rescind that. You're a true blue preservationist right here. I mean, look at you saving the mezzanine, um, you know, so we'll have to you have to just sneak me up on the roof at some point so I can get that view. There's a ladder. It's like a real creepy little ladder. So you can um, you can just go up the ladder. There's no assembly, but like, you know, like two people can go up there. We can go hang out. It's totally fine. So. Obviously, you've got this really cool business model. You've got these properties and projects across the state, three of them. Um, curious if you're looking to do more or is, is three um, out of control? Um, do you have staff? I'm just kind of curious how this works. And then I want to talk about the social media side, um, which obviously you're, you're, you're doing well. We're on it right now. Um, but, um, you know, what, talk to us about sort of what where 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 you're headed with all these and and how do you manage this portfolio i mean three sure. different structures and yeah. um bridezillas and all that kind of stuff <laughs> I mean, i'm gonna make a note to come back to talk about the bridezilla question <laughs> um so the the structure is i have the three venues this is the last venue that i'm doing myself i've i've done three um, and it's at a point where the whole reason I got into this business was to spend more time with my family. And so I feel like every time I do a new project, it seems to be every two years, it takes the whole year of my life. Um, so I'm personally not doing anymore, but 
it's become my mission to spread this, right? You know, and there's only so many small historic towns in Maryland and I want to spread it nationwide. Um, so what I'm doing now is I'm actually franchising the venue model, the Fatwell brand, um, and helping other entrepreneurs kind of with site selection and um, with design. And even maybe I'll pop over and, you know, as a franchisee, they get training. Um, but I'll pop over and maybe help them find their own tile project or, or a little DIY project and put them on my TikTok. So basically, it's not going to be me doing the renovations and owning the venues, but I'm developing a franchise so that other people can do it and, you know, receive support from me, learn from all my mistakes, um, get the operations manual, business model, all that, and licensing of the brand. Um, but then also, you know, we can look for a cool tile together and and do all that. <laughs> so if people, well, this is fascinating because I mean, there's people probably across the country thinking like, well, that's really great for Maryland. But again, I live in Peoria and I want to do the, you know, um, the Peoria bank. Um, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find you? And, and is this available if they want to, they want to be your next franchisee? Can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So Basically, we're, we're developing the website right now. What I have right now is in my um, TikTok bio. There's a link where you can sign up to get notified when we go live. Um, I actually have my sales team reaching out this week. So um, it's crazy. Like, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It makes no sense to me. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so we're, there will be a website at some point. Um, yeah. But for now, for now, just um, sign up on my TikTok, TikTok bio. And it's in my Instagram bio too. Well, it's a good way to talk about, it's a good segue rather to talk about TikTok and social media because I think a lot of people in the preservation world, you know, we, we, we sort of begrudgingly um, take on different technology and things like that. Um, and, you know, I think for nonprofits in particular, people who are running nonprofits who are listening, it's always like the next thing. It's like, okay, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. And then it's like, okay, now we got to do TikTok and got to create content for that. And you can't just be on it. You've got to be on it and creating content. Um, so, you know, before we, we, we hit record, we were talking about how we both got onto TikTok during the um, pandemic and I had to quit it because I, I couldn't quit it. And, um, and, uh, and then you're like, no, you need to be on it. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I do need to be on it. But how did, so you, you got on it and then you've, you know, you, you, how did it take off? Like what, what was the one moment where you're like, Oh my God, this is working. And I've now I'm on Buzzfeed and everyone wants to know what's going on here. How did that all come together? It's still really weird. Um, I mean, I've only been on it since December. So like four months. Um, so this is like not a thing I've been doing for very long. Um, I think it, my momentum really started when I kind of stopped doing trends and I started just talking and doing one take things and just posting it as it was. Um, I think, you know, a coming, especially from the events industry, right. And even preservation where you want to show the finished product and you want to show how beautiful everything is. TikTok is almost like the anti Instagram. It's not curated. It's not filtered. The videos that do well are the ones that are authentic, are the ones that really show your true personality that aren't fake. Um, and so that's what people gravitate towards. So I think just me getting on there and being like, I just woke up, this is the day in the life of a business owner, and things that you would never see. 
um, on Instagram, I think is what, you know, kind of got my initial momentum going. And then I was like, it dawned on me, you know, I'm currently renovating this, this space. Um, all my other spaces, I pretty much only posted finished products or like one before picture and then a bunch of shiny after pictures. And I was like, what if I document the process of like the good, the bad, the ugly of renovating this bank? And I did. And uh, yeah, that took off. And I record all my voiceovers in one take. Whatever I say is what gets happens like I don't redo everything I don't have a script I just wing it I think that that's I feel like that's an important like advice and lesson there because I think a lot of people look at it even myself like I'm not just blaming others it's like oh my gosh how am I going to put all that together and how am I going to document that and everything and how am I going to you know make it look good and then tweak the the video and all that kind of stuff and what you're kind of saying is that the the more authentic and real it is, it just comes across even better. Now, let's, so let's talk about actual numbers. How many followers do you have now? Uh, like 687,000, I think. Wow. Yeah. That in four months. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, you have a great, you have a great business, you have a great story and you're obviously charismatic on video and you have a background in that. But you, but, but what you're also getting across is that the content itself is not like, it's not earth shattering. I mean, you were, I mean, it, cleaning grout is cool, but like, hey. <laughs> right. Like that. And is that, that was that the one that really catapulted it? Like the actual like cleaning um, stuff. It was the first video that I got over a million views on was just finding the carpet or finding the tile under the carpet. Um, it was just the hidden gem. Right. Being like, wow, look what we found. Holy moly, who would cover this up? And then everybody was like, who would cover that up? Actually, it's ugly and I hate it. And I'm glad they covered it up. And like people being like, da, 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 and having so many opinions. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what start. That was my first over a million views one. And then from there, documenting the process and then just every video about the renovations. Um, and it's not even just the tile. Like I did a video about a stair installation um, because we have to add a staircase from the mezzanine to the main level for code. Um, and that's something, you know, preservation wise, that's always tricky is when you're adding new elements to a historic space, you want to make them kind of almost seamless and look like they were always there. So, um, and the staircase is not done, but like I posted it before it was done and everyone's like, that's hideous. That's not historic <laughs> accurate. No, I love it. It's beautiful. So like people being like, nah, nah, nah. Right. um, so Which is go, good though, right? Because then it just your comments, you go viral. So um that's how right. you know you um so but like design talking about the design process for the staircase, showing the staircase being installed, that has like 14 or 15 million views at this point. So um how many views in total do you have you do you have now? Do you know? Uh, no, I have no idea. I don't know. Um, millions. Uh, like I think my one of my probably like 30 or 40 million at this point because um the like my most popular tile video is up to like 16 i think but um there there are like 10 tile videos so yeah probably 30 or 40 million like across all the tile at this point i have 90 million views on my tiktok in in total wow that's like a third of the country <laughs> there you go 
Just want to let that sink in. I I I, I left that that pregnant pause there. I just need we needed to let that sink in. It's uh, real weird, man. Real yeah. Weird. So, well, this has been fascinating, and we're gonna have to like go and I'm like not over it. I'm not over it, but yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna have to come out and 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 visit your site and and get some cool uh, photos and stuff like that, and do a TikTok together or something like that. But, um. So if people want to learn more about you, I mean, obviously, we it's clear clear that you're on TikTok. A third of the country has found you, so it's not that hard. But um, if people want to learn more about you, they want to learn more about Fetwell, they want to rent, they, you know, they're living in Maryland and they're, they're looking to, to throw a big shindig. Um, where, do they, where do they find you? Where's the easiest way to get in touch? Just Fetwell.com has um, all three of my locations on it. Um, and then for me, like, and the sort of behind the scenes business owner preservationist um, accounts, they're all at the venue CEO on um, TikTok, Facebook. I made a Facebook and Instagram. You can I did find, her, find her anywhere. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Um, and then you can, we'll also put a link to this TikTok in the show notes so you can go back and, and see this and, um, catch the really cool backdrop, which we still think might be fake. It's so beautiful. We're not sure. Um, she's touching it now. We're still, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. We asked this question of everyone. It's, it's painful for most people. What's your favorite historic place or site? Um, I know this. I know this very well. Um, I actually grew up in the UK um, where things are very old, <laughs> um, a lot older than here. Um, and down the street from my house, it's a tie between this really old abbey that was like from the 1300s and um, Porchester Castle, which is right on the Solent. Um, it's from the third century. It's a Saxon fort. Um, so going, I remember when I was like 11, going up those stairs and being like, so many people have been here. Like I couldn't, it blew my mind how old that place was um, and that that exists. And I think getting out of sort of the, the bubble of, of the U.S., which is much a much newer country, and and going somewhere else in the world where things are so old, um, it really kind of ignited my you know love of, of historical spaces and just the history inside them. So. What a fantastic answer! Fantastic conversation. Um, we're gonna have to have you back. This is so cool. Um, and not only do I appreciate you joining us, but on behalf of everybody in preservation here in in Maryland, I appreciate all the good work that you're doing. So um, let's keep in touch, and uh, we'll we'll find we'll see you on TikTok soon. Yeah, you need to make an account though. <laughs> I'm I'm getting on. I'll get on today. <laughs> Preservation Maryland. Thank you. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.